Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? Well, you're two, you know, you're, two, you're two weeks now. We're doing this two every weeks. Other it's week. been yeah. two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I just a lot has happened and there may be millions of people out there who still think there were problems and irregularities with the 2020 election. But at least we sophisticated <laughs> cosmopolitan New Yorkers have proven to the world that democracy is a well-run <laughs> foolproof process with our ranked choice voting system for the New York City mayoral race. This is so bad for everybody. <laughs> so, so I mean, never mind our course. own election. Like, but all these yahoos who think that the uh, you know the election system is corrupt are now correct. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> or can't at least have nice com- at least incompetent. At least incompetent. Okay, that is one big nope. We're gonna have a lot more. This is nope. The podcast where we shut it down. We're just a couple of New York Jews talking about the news. Back the blues. We made a podcast and here's why. To laugh so we don't cry. Come and join us for the ride. Welcome to No. All right, Rachel, we are into the summer, and you know that what that means. It means we are summer music series summer music series and you know when we were starting it again and we were we were renewed for season two of summer music series i was a little bit worried because we had so many good songs and videos to go through last summer that i was worried that i wait it's my job to find them right and uh mm-hmm. i was worried i wouldn't be able to find any more and that we would have some sort of a sophomore slump but in fact <laughs> I like how you say we were renewed as if we had to like we had to pitch it to the executives. We renewed ourselves when we took a long hard look in the mirror and said, "Do we really Let's deserve do it another again. Let's do it one more time. Let's get the band back together." So, but there's so many other good videos. The the, the so many. Right I just it's a it's a I'm mining gold here. Although my friend Sam, who you know, Sam had a really good point. He's yeah. an avid listener, and he said, "Why do you call it the summer?" music series it's really the summer music video series because you don't really talk about the music that much so we talk about the music but yeah he's he's correct in that it's mostly the summer music video series so but like to conserve words we just yes yes SMS, we're conservationists you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay let's uh rachel uh, you're back in the hamptons uh I'm back for the in the summer. hamptons my family's here which is great i haven't seen my sister in two years so it was like a very tearful wonderful reunion and my parents came um but beyond that i have some really promising news about my ceiling fan (laughs) back in the city (laughs) i actually had multiple expressions of concern from friends of mine about your ceiling fan really did they have any ideas they did but they were not good ideas (laughs) okay none of (laughs) them were good right like rachel we thought of that yeah we thought of that rachel thought of that yeah Okay. Okay. So anyway, so the last time we spoke two weeks ago, I was telling you about how the LED light in my ceiling fan broke and I didn't know the make or the I model remember. of the it's fan. It's seared in my memory. I remember very Home well. Depot put out an APB to help me identify the genus and species of the fan so that I can order a replacement part. Well, so they got back to me <laughs> last week. They and did. They said, yes, they said they were unsuccessful in their efforts. And oh, at least they followed me, up. Yeah. They followed up. I was really surprised they asked me if i could take some more photos they more wanted photos. wide shots more flattering <laughs> better lighting i bet they wanted Filters. better lighting and you're like the light doesn't work there's 
there's no pedal <laughs> Right. So I get back on my ladder. I take more photos. And then in one of the photos, I see like in the corner, like a little sticker. So I take off the like top of the fan. I lift it up and there's the sticker that this, you know, much heralded sticker that everybody's been talking <laughs> about. And I, I found it. I found it and I ripped it off and I was delighted because it had the make and model number of the fan. It's and when like I a entered day that, late, a day late and a sticker short, like, and they still. <laughs> no, it gets worse. So I was really excited to find out that it's the home decorators collection, Petersford 52 inch fan. So like I triumphantly call Home Depot to tell them, call off the search party. I've identified I the found fan. the corpse. <laughs> <laughs> and they were thrilled for me. But unfortunately, the Petersford 52 inch fan is on back order. So they asked me, can I call back in August? And I'm like, after all of this, yeah. can't I just order it now and you can just give it to me when it comes in in yeah. August? No. Like, so, I know there's a supply chain issue. Maybe it's stuck in the Suez Canal still. But like, yes. how hard is it to send you a fan? Like right. you should get priority. If there's a floor model sitting in Home Depot, they should send it to you. Send it to me or just put me on the top of the list. And when it comes in, send me the part. Like, why do I have to call back in August? But I do. So I wrote it down in my calendar to call back in August and I'm making progress. And so I don't know. The moral of the story is like, don't you ever, ever, ever give up on your dreams. Like, <laughs> Anything can happen. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason. Yes. It does not. It does not. It's all brownie in motion. Uh, well, I have some big news, too. I've yes. been replatformed. I am back on Twitter. Thanks to your help. I mean, I did the same thing I've done a hundred times, which is submit the form. But thanks to your magic, this time someone answered, and uh, I helped was, expedite it. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, and I'm back, but. What I didn't realize, it's only been two months, but Twitter has changed in my absence. Well, the first problem once what I logged back in, well, it didn't recognize that I was the same person that I was. So, like, I had my feed and my followers and so forth, but it kept they saying, were like, like, you've changed. <laughs> You're different. <laughs> Have you lost weight? <laughs> no. no, they were like, um, start your feed, find your, find some friends on Twitter. And oh. it kept suggesting like my sixth grade teacher from Facebook to like follow them on Twitter. I, all my old followers were there and my feed was there, but like I had to like keep Xing that out. And then they have this new thing that I didn't realize, or maybe it's a setting that changed where they suggest topics for you where, uh. yeah, and, and you can like minimize or show this less frequently, whatever. But I was so confused because the first one they said is we're showing you this because you're interested in boxing. And there was okay. a whole bunch of You're like, not interested in boxing. No, I'm terrified of boxing. I would never watch <laughs> Like it's box. the last thing you'd ever be interested <laughs> right, in. Right. So much for their big data. I'm much less <laughs> terrified of like these corporate juggernauts now because if they think I like boxing, market to me too. They're really off. They're way off, right. <laughs> and then, so I, I said, don't show me boxing. And then I scrolled down a little more and it told me that I should be an ultra marathoner. Which okay. at least is closer because I've run some marathons. You were a marathoner once, but yeah. many years ago, and yeah. I am certainly not an ultra marathoner. So I don't know what data signal they were picking up on for that. Um, but um, you know, something I would rather have an under-targeted Twitter who doesn't know that much about me than an over-targeted Twitter that knows a scary amount about me. Maybe when you like get deplatformed and replatformed, it's like the it's like 
eternal sunshine of the spotless mind <laughs> and like erases. Twitter, like the, it erases its memory of your existence and you have to repopulate all the data. Well, I wonder what's going to happen if Trump ever gets replatformed on there. Is it going to suggest like his like Marla Maples? And, like, <laughs> you like, follow Marla. <laughs> Alan Weisselberg. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. It's like because of, you're yeah. interested in LGBTQ issues, <laughs> <laughs> please follow. So uh, that's what happened to me. It only happened in the last day or two, but it made my week. Uh, so it wasn't a complete write-off, but there was more than enough terrible things that happened to populate a world of nopes. Rachel, why don't you start us off with that? Yeah, and you know, I I just will say that for those of you who are hearing the story and thinking that I can help you with your Twitter problems or like help you get verified or whatever, just please think again. <laughs> or with your fan, well, the fan problems you can help, or your and general with fan problems. Help. I'm here for you. Ask me, ask away. But Twitter problems, right. no, I had to call in like every favor I have left with that company. So okay, <laughs> so um, here we go with the dry heaves. There's a lot happening in the dry heaves portion of our programming today, um, which is the remnants of the Trump administration that just keeps repeating on us. And by the time you listen to this, uh, the Trump organization CFO, Alan Weisselberg, who you just referenced, he will have turned himself in at the Manhattan DA's office after being indicted for tax related crimes. So, yeah. um, so that's progress, that's but not enough progress, really. Not enough. No, no. I mean, I have a I question have no... about that. Like, yeah. I understand. Like, I'm not entirely sure. Obviously, not a lawyer, not a prosecutor, nor defendant, nor any type of attorney. And I'm certainly not Tom Girardi. Um, but right. like, when you indict a corporation, like, what do you have? Like, do you have to bring the building in? Like, how do you like? Like uh, who? Right. Accepts, who represents who that? Is right. served? But then, right. Right. <laughs> who sits? Like, do they stand at the golden escalator and like? shout and like throw papers like up the in receptionist the right. but also like who works at the trump organization it's nobody like weisselberg <laughs> eric don jr and ivanka like no, I, have... and, and we know from my experience that eric trump just flies back and forth between miami and LaGuardia. yes like he doesn't even have <laughs> yes. a job he doesn't just do confused. anything none no. of these people do anything yeah so, um... so i don't know but then they say alan weisselberg is going to turn himself in but like does yeah. he get like handcuffed like like read his Miranda rights and like take a take a yeah I think shot. it's just more dignified than like you know no watching. I know the, I know about turning yourself in but his is he then like criminally accused and has to like go for a bail hearing and yes yeah he has to be trial. arraigned yeah right. yeah so, but why isn't the corporation like it shouldn't be lumped together like you're not putting the corporation I'm not smart enough to know how this works I just. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I just I all I know is that people are saying that Weisselberg is going to flip. I don't think I, I have no confidence that he's going to flip on this crime boss, Donald Trump. But um, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But for now, like, I just want to focus on um, Bill Barr, who was in the news this week, the former attorney general and Trump lackey who lied about the Mueller report and fed Donald Trump's delusions about election fraud until those delusions became unsustainable for his own career. And we saw last week that Rudy Giuliani finally lost his license to practice law in New York for promoting the big lie. And I guess Bill Barr saw that and saw the writing on the wall and he was afraid of the same thing happening to him. So he wisely didn't go as far as Rudy, but he went far <laughs> enough, you know, and he was in a bigger 
position of authority. So the as far as he went, it did more damage. Yeah, you know. And I so, mean, Rudy was a nobody, and he was the Attorney right. General of the United States of America. Exactly. So exactly. Higher so, burden of ethical conduct than Rudy, <laughs> who's a nobody. Exactly. A, a nobody with like dripping hair dye <laughs> <laughs> standing in front of the Four Seasons <laughs> total landscaping parking lot. So to backtrack for a moment, um, Barr wound up telling the Associated Press in December of 2020 that there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud, but that was only after promoting the false narrative that the mail-in ballots would lead to massive fraud for months before the election, and even right after it, until it became clear that Trump had no path to victory anymore. And so, like, if Barr's lies would have helped sway the election, he would have kept lying. Let's make no mistake, right? And so now he wants to rewrite history, and he gave an interview to Jonathan Carl for the Atlantic Atlantic this week, where he's trying to distance himself from the whole stinking mess. And he says of the period in early 2021, right around the time of the Georgia runoffs, right before the, um, you know, the massacre at the Capitol, my attitude was it was put up or shut up time. If there was evidence of fraud, I had no motive to suppress it. But my suspicion all along was that there was nothing there. It was all bullshit. To which I say, it was sure, Jan. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just as bad his... if it was his suspicion all along, then he should not have come out as a public official with definitive statements the way he did. He right. Should he should have said, said so. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so he was repeatedly saying this entire time that mail-in ballots would promote massive fraud. I, we have, you know, we don't have that short of memories that we do not recall him saying that. And so also let's not forget that the week after the election, he violated Justice Department policy to investigate substantial allegations of irregularities that he said could potentially sway the outcome of the election. Now, his excuse in this interview is that he knew Trump would ask him about the allegations of fraud and he may Merely wanted to be able to say that he knew about it and he had looked into it. But the statements fed the idea that Trump had been cheated of victory and basically led to the insurrection at the Capitol. Yeah. You know, so he so, should be he should be criminally liable. He and Alan yes. Weisselberg should share a jail cell. One more thing about this article. Yes. Barr tells the story about how he met with Trump after the interview with the AP was published and Trump was having like his wildest tantrum yet. And Barr says to Trump, you know, Mr. President, you only have five weeks after an election to make legal challenges. This would have taken a crackerjack team with a really coherent and disciplined (laughs) strategy. And instead, you have a clown show. No self-respecting lawyer is going anywhere near it. It's just a joke. That's why you are where you are. And Trump was like, (laughs) I mean, I hope he really said that. I mean, that's what he's saying he said. That's what he's saying he said. Oh, is it sourced anywhere? No. He's the source. So. So I don't know if, who else was there, an, but I'm as assuming... we've learned, he's an unreliable narrator yes. of his own story. So sure, exactly. Okay, so, so sure. let's say he said that. Sure, right. And Trump said, "You may be right about that." But yet, no, Trump that's continued too to believe the clown show. Yeah, because, I mean, he's the head clown, you know? But it's and also like, a clown show of necessity. It's not like he could find any other lawyers who'll work for him. Like, he, that's, you know. By definition, only a clown would work for another clown, right, you know? It's right. a self-selecting it's like, to quote, group. To, quite, to quote the late <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld as of today, like, you fight the war, you, you use the lawyers you have, not the lawyers you wish you had. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the known unknowns. Right, right. So anyway, um, so do you have more? Can we know that? So, no, no. All the, Like there's this columnist named Max Boot, who's yeah. this reformed Republican, and he wrote in the Washington Post today that we Democrats should really welcome all defectors with open arms, including Bill Barr. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. All defectors are not created equal. It should all depend on the context and the reasons. Is, is that in we're the Constitution? Right? It should defectors. be. <laughs> It but Michael be. Michael Cohen's okay. He's a defector. I mean, Michael Cohen's okay. Scaramucci's okay. Doing the right thing for the wrong reasons is not the same thing as having one of these come to Jesus moments, you know. And the the bar rehabilitation glow up tour is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> and he's just as bad, if not worse, than Rudy Giuliani and these Fakakta Krakens. And he, he should be disbarred. <laughs> I mean, at the very least. Who's the so, guy? No. Who's the guy that's all? They're they're bringing up his name again. Tony Macaroni. What's his name? Oh, Calamari. Yeah, Matthew Calamari. Andrew Andrew Calamari <laughs> or Matthew, Matthew Calamari. Calamari. <laughs> he has. He's got the goods. He knows where the bodies are buried. Yeah, Matthew he's Calamari. next. He's next. At the bottom of the sea, <laughs> swimming with <laughs> swimming with the calamari. More about that later. Okay, nope. Let's uh, okay. let's move on. Nope. Um, nope. So. Uh, Rachel, this is yours, but I have this is adjacent to a topic I really want to talk about, which is the blockbuster article that is going to appear in the next appearing in the next print version of Vanity Fair, but can now be found online. That's right. Is that the right? Order yes. Of yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll my I'll, story. I'll yeah. weave that into the story. <laughs> my story. <laughs> we'll weave that in <laughs> after this next item. So go ahead, Rachel. What's your okay. note now? <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. Cause it's all, it's all tied together. So um, there's this theory called the horseshoe theory, which is that the far left and the far right, rather than being at opposite poles of a linear political continuum actually closely resemble each other and curve you know Towards the way a horseshoe yeah. does but when it comes to california yoga instructors <laughs> and right-wing QAnon believers the horseshoe is more like a circle with uh, an ouroboros with a snake <laughs> eating its, its own, own tail, tail. <laughs> in the aurora right? borealis so yes Yes. So there's a great story about this in the LA Times, uh, detailing how this whole subculture of love, light and acceptance, a subculture that I actually embrace a lot. I, I do yoga almost every day. Um, they're now embracing QAnon um, and they're calling it Woo, Woo Anon. Um, <laughs> so that's very our, good if you're gonna brand yourself that's a good one yeah yeah so the article describes how some yoga instructors have watched with horror as instagram influencers and energy healers sound bathers crystal practitioners all these people um have embraced the I, the core ideas of QAnon and spread them across social media. For example, there's a woman named Eva Cohen from San Clemente, California, who had a group text with nine other women from her neighborhood during the pandemic. And the group text just kind of devolved into these conspiracy theories that democratic elites were harvesting adrenochrome from tortured children to use in satanic rites, which we've talked about this yeah. before. It's yeah, called yeah. The frazzle, frazzle, frazzle drip. drip. Yes. So they believe <laughs> in specifically the frazzle they, drip angle. 
they believe in the frazzle drip angle. They believe that the insurrection was uh, perpetrated by Antifa, that the COVID vaccine causes infertility. And so Eva is getting these texts and she's getting increasingly horrified. Um, she studied engineering. She has a very scientific, logical mind and she pushes back saying, what's the evidence? Where, where are your sources? Well, that's the thing. These people do not have evidence that anything that they do in life is actually sane or it's works. It's not about, what? it's about feelings, you know? And so she said, she's like going to the ends of the earth, sending them scientific studies that disprove their theories. And, and she said, no matter what evidence I presented to them, they would not hear it. They have gone through a rabbit hole and they will not come out you know so it's it's very alarming and so you know the the article goes on to explain that at the bottom of this is um a business model that is not too surprisingly perpetuated by facebook's algorithm which we have discussed is you know eroding society um what happened is that these yoga studios proliferated and they realized that offering these three thousand dollar teacher trainings was more lucrative than actually teaching yoga to right. people so it's like a pyramid you know? like a, a multi-level marketing scheme where instead of teaching yoga they teach teachers to teachers teach yoga. to right. teach yoga yet there's no students because everybody's <laughs> trying to become a teacher and there's no yoga so, either <laughs> there's no yoga because it's a pandemic so they so they create this glut of these yoga instructors <laughs> who are now in debt and they turn to Facebook and Instagram desperate to build their followings as lifestyle influencers and get these sponsorship deals so that they could pay back the $3,000 they spent on the yoga debt. So then they go to these... <laughs> Wait, the whole idea of yoga debt is just too much. Like... <laughs> The whole point of this lifestyle is to rise above the worldly concerns. Forgive of the yoga debt. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That should be in the stimu- in the infrastructure package. We need to forgive, forgive yoga, yoga debt. <laughs> That's an item number one. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, so, so they go to these, you know, marketing trainings, and they're taught that they have to be controversial on social media. They have to take definitive oh. positions that make people either love you or hate you. And that's the way to get followers and build your brand and become an influencer and make money. So the result is that these bigoted far right, you know, ideologues are now laundering this, this ideology is now being laundered through these sunset photos and these slickly designed educational slides on Instagram and there are these far-right researchers who call this re- recruiting tactic pastel QAnon. Oh, I'd never heard that. That's creative. It's like in millennial pinks, and yeah. but it's like promoting the ideas of QAnon. So it's like um, I once heard this uh, this guy on MSNBC, Malcolm Nance, call um, these QAnon people vanilla ISIS. And so <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's like. It's like vanilla ISIS of... Uh, of QAnon. Um, so I don't know. It's just another example of like how we cannot have nice things. And no, it's also like it's- how people who are like flaky and vulnerable in one area are flaky and vulnerable everywhere. In another and area. Like if yeah. you believe in like the cosmic powers of healing of crystals or whatever it is, that's no more or less nonsense than a, you know, uh, a, a Jewish space laser or whatever it is. In my mind, I don't know how you feel about that. 
I mean, it's less um, troublesome. (laughs) The the repercussions of it are certainly less troublesome. It's less consequential. (laughs) Like, I I mean, I'm like, you want to walk around with crystals in your pocket? Like, go, go for it. But yeah, like, it's one thing to be open-minded. It's another to like, be so open-minded that your brain is like falling on the floor, you know? So, um, so this so is a good anyway. this is a good transition into what I really wanted to talk about, which is yes. your article in Vanity Fair, which is about Rebecca Newman, the wife uh, the wife of Adam Newman, and I should say co-founder also. Not all, she was not originally the co-founder, but the, was the co-founder. She reinvented herself as a co-founder. Yes, she reinvented, reinvented herself um, in a, in a lot of ways. So if I could ask you, because I do this with the founder, the startup founders that I work with, can you give us the thirty second pitch, the thirty second summary of this article, because it is. A, a masterpiece but it is you know a full full length piece of journalism and you should read the whole thing but give us the the sound bite yeah sure um well it's called how billionaire rebecca newman put the woo woo in we work so there's the woo 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 and on connection right. um it's about the it's about rebecca newman who happens to be a licensed yoga instructor and former <laughs> actress um she's the cousin of gwyneth paltrow she's the first cousin of her and she harbors some unconventional beliefs um i can't say whether or not she buys into q and this i do not know but i did listen to an interview with her on another podcast called the school of greatness where she said that eating a sad animal can make you sad and that's yeah. why she's a vegetarian <laughs> and that the secret to living forever is having a flexible spine um so another yoga <laughs> yeah there's this is i am not so sure that she's not wooing on like we don't know uh, right <laughs> i mean did I you, didn't well, let me her. ask you did you did you explore that in your reporting i know this was reported extensively it's not a question that I, it's not an issue I explored if she was a QAnon person, but maybe that will be the follow-up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to say you should make a Hulu series, but there's already like five series is being made, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the reason why I even wrote the article in the first place was because, you know, we've followed the whole WeWork story with great interest. Um, we talked about it a lot on this podcast when it was happening. And I didn't know much about Rebecca until I saw the documentary on Hulu, which you saw the rise and fall of a $47 billion unicorn. And it was really like just to see it all laid out like that. It was um alarming and disturbing and there was something that was frighteningly familiar about (laughs) Rebecca Newman like a look in her eye that was very Long Island she was like she's from Great Neck she's from Great Neck Neck. she grew up in Great Neck she went to Cornell she was there when I was there we knew some of the same people so I started making some calls and you know there you have it like this was the Result. So, so here's a tough question. I told you I was going to do a hardball interview here because, you know, I used to work for Barbara Walters. So oh, she's yeah. the toughest of all. So um, I, like I said, I work with a lot of startup founders. Mine are not crazy, but I encounter a lot of, I encounter a lot of founders who are batshit crazy. And some of them are treated like visionaries and some of them are treated like insaniacs. So the question is, is when you have somebody like a Rebecca Newman who slides into the scene, how can you tell if they're just like a little weird or if they're batshit wooing on crazy? What, are, are there signs you look for, little symbol, little tells? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if you're like interviewing for a job at WeWork and the entire interview centers on your astrological sign, that Maybe, might be an be indicator redneck, right? <laughs> that this company um, is not for you. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, she was kind of responsible. She was wholly responsible for the the strange language in the IPO prospectus, the S1, where yeah, they had a dedication whole, like, intro, yeah, whole, to like, the energy of we greater than all of us inside of all of us. And like, it was um, Scott Galloway, the professor of marketing at NYU. He said that the S1 read like it was a novel written by someone who was shrooming. And <laughs> I think that's accurate. Probably I just was, think yeah. Their whole like corporate mission was to elevate the world's consciousness. And this is like, okay, lady, you are selling desks. Office space. You're renting office <laughs> it space. It is the most like unspiritual <laughs> business you could ever possibly imagine. And putting up some neon signs that say love what you do and putting out some cucumber water does not make it otherwise. Exactly. It's yeah. um yeah, my friend Sarah Shartok was like, you know, I don't really know much about WeWork and I'm kind of operating outside of the whole uh capitalist world. She works in <laughs> academia <laughs> and she's like, but to me, this business sounds like a library. <laughs> <laughs> She gets the award. Like, thank you, Sarah. Like, okay, yeah. so um, thank you for enduring my hardball questions. In the interest of time, we'll move on. But you can direct, you can tweet uh, your questions to at Rachel D or tweet me to tweet them to me at Brian Heck. Now that I'm back, and I can ask you. Yeah, but one thing I wanted to ask you is: Have you seen the photos of Anne Hathaway on set as Rebecca? She's playing her in the no, new Apple TV no. Plus series, so that's going to be good. Her and Jared Leto playing the yeah. Couple. I saw Jared Leto because he's been transformed into Adam Newman. Yeah, I know, but for me, it was like having Anne Hathaway play you is a compliment. She must be very flattered <laughs> by that. It's kind of like when Hugh Jackman was cast as Frank Tassone. The, the principal the former, of Roslyn, <laughs> of High, Roslyn School. High School. Boy, the North Shore of Long yeah. Island is really get, taking a beating this week. Okay, we got to move yeah. on. No, okay, okay. no, okay. okay. No, no, so no. Um, I have, I've been on a journey with this thing. It's, uh, this is, I'm going to start off by having a headline says it all, which is that sea snot that sea snot, like from your nose, sea snot is taking over the Turkish coastline. Um, and I've spent a lot of time researching, thinking about sea snot and related <laughs> issues of slime. Um, okay. So I'm here to tell you about some of them. So there's so Turkey, the Turkish coast, is getting taken over by sea snot, and people it is triggering a geopolitical what is crisis. It? I'll, I'll get. Oh, I have plenty of information about that. <laughs> people are uh, blaming President. And ritz up whatever Erdogan, right? And what it is, is it's like a green sludge with a noxious smell. And Erdogan is calling it a is calling it a mucilage calamity. <laughs> <laughs> That's a calamity you don't want. Out of all the calamities. 
I don't I want would that. put mucilage near the near the bottom. That sounds terrible, like the texture and the smell. I didn't realize it had an odor. Yeah, it too. has a smell. Yeah. yeah. So now here's a little biology. There are three types of sea snot, um, or three forms. It's like uh, it can like sublimate and things like that. So there's stringers that are like snot, like a string of snot that comes out of your nose. There are clouds that they describe as white and ethereal, so delicate that they break apart in your fingers. Ew. <laughs> and then there are flakes, which is like marine snow. It's the snot things that then accumulate the debris and become like these dust balls, these like flaky dust balls. So there's stringers and clouds and flakes. Um, and okay. now, and now, all weather I'm, patterns are represented. <laughs> it's inclusive. And now I'll quote from the Atlantic that I stole most of this article from. So Atlantic says, the sea snot there has surfaced and turned monstrous, getting into a thick layer of yellowing slime atop the water. For months, this foul mucus has blanketed the Sea of Marmara, which connects the Black Sea and the Aegean Sea in the Mediterranean. It's smothering shellfish, clogging nets, and destroying the fishing industry, which is terrible, right? It's terrible. So, but so what is it? Is it an algae? Is it a lie? Yeah, I think is it's it... an algae. It's an it's okay. a, yes, it's a lie. It's an algae. Or yeah. Or, or I thought like, is it pollution? Is it? It's no, an no, algae. no. It's okay. an algae. It's an it's a thing. Okay. It's a living. It's a thing. It's a noun. It's an organism. It's a noun. Okay. <laughs> so they're trying to vacuum it up, and they think if they vacuum it up, they can then incinerate it. So I think the only thing worse than sea snot in the ocean is burning sea snot. Um, which can't yeah. be pleasant. But but luckily, they're not burning much because that has not worked very well. They're trying to pump oxygen in the water, which ironically I think would kill them. So, oh, so it's uh, what they're blaming it on now. This, so the scientists have converged on this, and they're blaming it on an explosion of phytoplankton, um, and which I guess is what the sea snot eats. Um, and it's due to, number one, fertilizer runoff, pollution, and number two, global warning. Warming. Of course, so of course, this obviously. Is, this is a monster of our own creation. So, like, this makes me so sad. This is terrible. It's killing sea life. The boats can't sail. Sail. The fishermen can't fish. And the most ter- there's no tourists because who wants to go to a, a delightful who Turkish wants to lay beach in a sea? beach of sea slime? <laughs> Snot, please get the classification <laughs> correct. And the most terrifying thing for me is that seagulls are walking on it, like they're running across it because it and their sustain. feet are getting all snotty yes and like <laughs> i think sea seagulls are disgusting and terrifying yeah and the thought of them like being like land creatures running across slime it's like slip and, and slide back it's up like in the air slide. yes yeah. and then dripping it on you it's like the explosive diarrhea on the slip and slide, <laughs> slip and slide. <laughs> right. so um now you think the whole world would rally around this like to try to save the environment and the uh, whatever you Black Sea and the Sea of Marmara, um, but they're not. It's triggering international conflict because now it's spreading spreading to the Aegean and it's beginning to encompass Greece. Oh no! Um, and it's causing tension. There's already tension between Greece and Turkey over Cyprus, and this is not when the billionaires can't go on their yachts and <laughs> go to the. That's when action will be taken. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that's it's happening, time- right? Yeah. But also, Greece and Turkey are both in NATO. I'm worried that this is going to dissolve NATO because if two the two countries in NATO can't declare war against each other, like the, the alliance would be over. So yeah. in the end, the end of Western civilization might be due to 
snot and we will have deserved it we, we will, will deserve have, it but yeah. but there's more to this story so i decided that i was going, <laughs> that i was going to solve the problem of sea snot um oh. how hard could it be and i would do it solely with information i found on the internet and specifically on wikipedia um and <laughs> so i went down a slime hole <laughs> Um, and I found an, a news item from 2017 about this thing called hagfish. Have you heard of a hagfish? No, but is this like a bioremediation type situation? Where no, no, it's just a thing. It's, it's just a th it's just a thing called hagfish that I found. And it, as okay. I was looking for a cure to the sea snot, and I saw hagfish, and I'm like, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> so I have so many facts to share, and most of these come courtesy of Professor Douglas. Douglas Fudge of, Chap of Chap Chapman University. I don't know where that is or what that is. And okay. hagfish are a sinuous tubular animal with pink gray skin and a paddle-shaped tail, which is kind of like an eel, but unlike eels, they have no backbones, so it's not technically a fish. And everything it touches gets covered in slime. And they say they slime when they're attacked or when they're simply stressed. And I don't know how you stress a hagfish, but uh, it, the, the consequences are dire because they have a hundred slime glands. And when they are stressed, they emit just a mere teaspoon of a sea hag, hagfish slime. Um, and in a half second, that teaspoon expands by 10,000 times um and can fill a bucket so from a teaspoon Whoa. to a bucket right and if you put it in your hand it does that expanding thing and then it's just like attached to your hand like you can't get it off and it's an adhesive a natural <laughs> adhesive yes yes and it's actually it's the i think it's the softest known sub no, substance known to man like go, like diamonds <laughs> like are the hardest the opposite of diamonds. Diamonds. Yes. they say it's a hundred times softer than jello and like oh. is there, is how there could an anything be softer than jello I know. I'm so like the... fascinated with like the strength of materials, you know? Like... <laughs> is that an interest of yours? Is yeah. that a hobby? Yeah. <laughs> the strength of materials. Well, I have a new <laughs> item for your fascination. It's hagfish slime, which is a hundred times softer than jello. Oh, like, I don't, it's terrible. Um, and, okay, but how, what does this have to do with the, the sea snot? It doesn't. I'm just sharing information I've learned in, in so, my and, of sea of, right. Wait, I have so a little more. There is nothing? some news. No, okay. there's, there's okay. more detail and a little bit of news at the end. Okay. Little, okay. The news is four years old, so... Um, when the hagfish gets their own slime on themselves, um, they scrape it off themselves by tying their bodies into a knot, and then it's like sliding their head down the knot so that it like like cleans their body. Oh, and okay. and th that's just one fact. And then an unrelated fact, no relation to the slime, <laughs> is that another unique feature is that when they're attacked, when like another animal gets it in its jaws. It's, its skin is barely attached to its body, so it has very loose skin. So you can, like, grab mm -hmm. its skin, and it's not really – you don't really grab it. It's able to, like, detach itself from its skin. Okay. The point of this story is that in 2017, 
<laughs> a truck full of hagfish overturned on Oregon high on an Oregon highway, um, and it was they were strewn across Highway 101, and they enveloped a Prius, a Toyota Prius, which was then stuck and I think had to be like totaled because it had hagfish slime all over it. But it was glued shut. Like, yeah, how do you? Well, I, yeah. No, it couldn't be like extricated from the from the asphalt. Like it was there permanently. It's still there to this day, for all I know. Yeah. And, but the real question is, why was there a, a truck full of hagfish? Yeah. Are they edible? Do people eat them? Yeah, I think in, I, I think in South Korea they're a delicacy. Okay. Um, although I cannot imagine that anyone would want to eat that. So this was the least coherent nope I think I have ever done. There was no beginning, no middle, and no, no. end. No, and so, Brian, so you're researching how to fix this problem in Turkey, and you you get caught in a wormhole <laughs> about an mole. unrelated fish, that the only <laughs> connective tissue to this other problem that you're trying to solve is that they, it has slime. And Welcome you're telling this life. story. Welcome to my life. Yes. <laughs> this is, but like, I guess, let uh, th- my question is theoretically, let's say that your internet <laughs> search yielded a viable solution to this problem. What would I Who do with were this? you going to call? Like, are you going to call the Turkish Erdogan? FBI? <laughs> the Turkish FBI? The FCC? I mean, the <laughs> Justice Department? I don't know. Merrick Garland? Like, yeah. Uh, so this whole, um, this is the enterprise- <laughs> yes. I'm an idiot. I'm a total idiot. Okay, good. Okay, I just no, to, let's to just shut down all the slimy fish. I warned you that the story okay. was not what I thought it was, and in fact, it was nothing. Okay, can we move on to summer okay. music series? Let's move on, yes. Okay, SMS, here, we go. here we go, SMS. This week's summer music series will feature the 1981 hit by Billy Idol, Dancing With Myself. Um, and you remember this, right? I mean, I know you've watched uh, it for, uh, yeah, right, yeah, it's a yeah, classic. It's a, it's a jam, yeah. It's yeah, a it's a bop. Song. It's a bop, yeah. as the kids say now, right? Yeah. So if you don't know who Billy Idol is, he's one of the signature like character, like he's almost like a, a, a boy George, um, where he's like a, a, a dolled up signature character over the top of early eighties pop rock. He had early this, MTV icon, yeah, you yeah. know, like so he had that like si- signature leather like strappy outfit. And spiky platinum hair and he would do that like fist pump thing and like he was really threatening back in the day like he was a bad boy and now he would be like a senator or something or the president i know i thought he was so tough and spooky and now like when i watched this video this week he looked like this like packaged product of the of the music no he looked like Like, he got out of like a halloween like a cheap halloween store like that pops up for a month right so anyway so he's ridiculous but but when i looked further into I was gonna say when I dug deeper, I did not find a connection to slime fish. I did it's a hagfish. I did. <laughs> he grew up on a hagfish farm. No. I didn't realize that he had ten top forty hits. Like yeah. yeah, he was a big, big hit maker. And among them, I think what everybody remembers is Rebel Yell, which is relevant to us because it's Glace Chase's theme song. And when she would oh, kick yeah. off her night of karaoke, she would get on the bar and yes. sing a wild version of Rebel Yell. Um, yes. Right. And so, White Wedding. White Wedding was a good White one. Wedding. And then he kind of went off the deep end later. He did like Moni Moni and like Who yes. Locked the Cradle of Love. And so he had a few dribbles at the end, a few. Like, yes. But, but this was his golden era. But his did you know age. he was from Long Island? 
Billy is your great neck? No, he's British. He was British, but in 1958, when he was two years old, he moved with his parents to Patchogue, and then yeah. they also lived in Rockville Center before moving back to England. So I think yeah. that the, wait, are you Patchogue... out research? Wait, are you checking my research on? I'm checking music? your research. Yes, I'm just I'm I'm surprising and delighting with fun facts. <laughs> that is remarkable. So, what do Rebecca? Newman, Billy, and, Billy Idol, Idol. and Rachel and Brian have in common. We are all from at from Long Island. Long Island. From- okay, let's uh, keep moving on. So let's talk about the actual song. So this song is actually a remake of um, another Billy Idol song <laughs> called "Dancing with Myself" that he wrote and recorded with his punk band, which was Gen X. Um, right. So the only person that would remake. Billy Idol's Dancing With Myself with Billy Idol himself, which is very meta, um, especially since the song is called Dancing With Myself. So, so I think that's cool. The inspiration for who the else, song. Yeah, who right, else is going to do it, right? Himself, yeah. right. He's writing yeah. songs with himself. So he and, became a solo artist and took the song and that he re, wrote with re- his band. And recorded the song yeah. as his own okay. signature song, right. So the inspiration for this song is that he was struck by the sight of a young crowd in a Tokyo discotheque dancing with their own reflections in walled mirrors rather than with one another, which is Uh a fascinating thought given that we all know that this song is about masturbation, right? (laughs) So I think uh, the Japanese dancing teenagers in the mirror is, um, is just a a cover story story that his record label, uh, put out there. Publicist put on an index card. Like a BBC interview. Yes. Or, or the, the, the great neck record or whatever local paper yes. he did it with. So the first version of the song, the, um, uh, actually got the gen X version, the band's version hit number 62 on the hot 100, but then the Billy Idol song, which we is like anthemic. Now it only hit number 27 and not even on the hot 100, it hit number 27 on the hot dance club playlist, which is very strange to me. So it's one of those songs that was, is bigger than we thought it was, or it has a longer life. And there's also an extended EP five minute remix. And the only thing I don't need is an extra minute and a half of this song. Dancing with, it's it's really not that complicated. It's sort of like the right length the way it is right now. (laughs) So um, for those of you who don't know the song, let's pause now. I'm going to play, you know, four, 45 seconds or something so you can really orient yourself. Okay, great song, right? Some of the songs we talk about are not great songs. This is a great song. Yeah, it's good. It's it's not great. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Well, let me tell you, it was nominated, the video was nominated for three VMAs. Um, yeah, but those, this was in like the very beginning. When there were like five videos. Well, let me, well, when you hear it, it was nominated for Best Direction, Best Art Direction, and Best Special Effects. And all of these things are singularly awful in the video. It should have won <laughs> yes, Worst Direction. They worst don't even have any directions. <laughs> worst 
It's like they're just making it up. Okay, so two other observations. Number one, this video is like an exercise in contrast. In some cases, there are like these fleeting scenes with no context, which is typical of 80s videos. And there's some shots that you just see over and over and over. And like it's literally the same shot. Like they copy paste it. Like they couldn't even be bothered to shoot it from a different angle or use a different take on it. It's literally the same thing. And then, as I mentioned, um, this is a song about masturbation, clearly. And somehow they have turned the video into a gothic zombie nightmare um, it's like did you see it's like based on a 1971 post-apocalyptic action film called the omega man starring charlton heston as a survivor <laughs> of a global pandemic I, I didn't how do you you want to just take over this segment for me because you obviously are much better at the research you know you were actually a journalist in the lab you are currently a journalist i well I just I found that to be really interesting because I feel like Billy Idol is like a sorcerer who has predicted with this video everything we have gone through. <laughs> Let's talk about what's in the video. It's very confusing, but after the fifth time, I think I know what's going on and I have my theories. OK, so it starts with like a painting, like a pen and ink thing of a castle, which is like a, a castle tower in this bleak orange landscape. And there's like a sound and you know it's going to be a spooky video. <clears throat> and then you see hands clawing at a wall and that's a big theme for summer music series like you remember last summer we did like the jackson's torture and, right, uh, and the, then laura, the laura brannigan, brannigan song there's always hands clawing at people grabbing always, hands it's like right. one of it's a trope of it's a trope early yes. 80s videos yeah exactly so and then a zombie comes out of a garbage can uh and then you see it's so like it's, cats it's like the yeah. opening <laughs> scene of cats <laughs> dancing with myself <laughs> um yeah so they're gathering the, the the zombie forces are gathering and then billy idol struts in he's wearing this red satin cape that he drops and it seems like he's on the roof of this tower but then he's like in a cage elevator in like those law like in a loft um and he's going up the tower so he's on the roof but he's going up so i don't know what's going on it's yet another continuity error i don't know how he can be on the top and on the bottom of this tower and so, on the elevator and all the at elevator once at the same time he's he is many things nobody is just one thing he is many he's things he's neither many alive people. nor dead he's, he's schrodinger's cat <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it yeah. we can end the segment now so um then they cut to a picture of female judo dancers i don't know how else to call them in orange outfits like geese like i don't know uh -huh. what to call them but they were doing some sort of choreographed judo things but it's and, not really choreographed that's the thing like the video is so lacking is in any choreography like what were what were the instructions for the dancers it was just kind of like, like move, move about move, like move about like, carefree shake your shoulders and crawl like well it was... that's yes but then, that was just the judo dancers okay. then they cut to a very disturbing site which is this living room this end there's like a middle class guy with a mustache in a, a shirt and tie, and he's dancing with a sledgehammer. And his wife is in the foreground sitting on a sofa with like a beehive hairdo, and she's knitting with a filthy rope and some sort of like all like tool or something. So, yeah. So, crocheting. Huh? I know, but, but it's with like a big, dirty rope. And <laughs> with a it needle. Is not, <laughs> it, is not in, it is not a proportion of. <laughs> 
of what you would normally to the project. work she's doing. Yes. <laughs> it's not to scale. Right. You should, you should have the wrong equipment for the wrong job. <laughs> so he crafts this whole world of this sledgehammer crochet world, and that's it. You never see them again. It's like a five second shot, and then you never see yeah, them again. Yeah. Was it? Was he thinking about his family like before the apocalypse? I don't know. I, I have a theory. Once we once <laughs> okay. the elevator gets to the top, so then you see Billy Idol back in the elevator, and then there's another like apartment where there's uh we catch a glimpse of like a guy in a pompadour in silhouette who's uh sharpening a machete and then in the background there's like a backlit woman in chains kind of like squirming to get out oh yeah it's, behind it's yeah. very disturbing like behind a curtain and you can only see her shadow and like how like you couldn't make that out there's a guy with a machete with an enslaved woman like like squirming behind in the background the screen. i know like no it's very it's, alarming it's, but it's, that was just de rigueur for videos it happened back every then. day that happened in real life <laughs> right. it was like oh what do you do for a living oh i'm just one of those people who's behind a screen and chains like swiveling around it's like princess <laughs> like, leia with jabba the hut or yes, something. yes exactly. she's like in chains okay so then we go back to the zombies and there's an overhead shot and they're climbing cl clawing at the tower wall they're actually climbing up this time and then like the elevator that billy idol is in goes past a floor with like a skeleton and a creepy old timey mannequin like laughing together like <laughs> and you realize or i realize that i think that the elevator is going up past all these scenes like the man and the wife and the machete guy and the slave girl and the mannequin floor and like maybe this is like a devastated up you know, tower where there's different people living in like a dollhouse, different people living in different Or maybe floors. it's a timeline of his own life and he's looking at his own experiences. <laughs> and it becomes a mannequin <laughs> at the end of his life. <laughs> <laughs> right. So my, then my question is, what kind of apartment building is this? That these people <laughs> Who, what in? developer <laughs> created such a monstrosity? Okay. Yeah. So then Billy Idol finally gets to the top. And at the top of this building, we've been waiting with bated breath to see... There's like a platform in the middle with mid-century modern furniture. And there's like this dystopian, like, you know, garbage everywhere. It's obviously like end of the world shit. How did shit. get up there all this garbage? Like, I, it's well, a skyscraper. A, yeah, but also, well, I guess they use the freight elevator for the mid-century modern the furniture. No, for the furniture. Okay. <laughs> it came from Design Within Reach. There's like one of those curvy reclining sofas, like a fainting couch. And there's one of those, you know, those things that are like those huge overhead hanging lamps. Like, I think, like, like cousin Ames. Brian and Jay have one yeah. in there. Yeah, like, it's a very nice kind of lamp, but yeah. a little out of place on this like dystopian rooftop um so then he goes into his like dancing around manic self and there's a shot that repeats many times where he's like massaging a tattoo on his arm he's always massaging of... his he has like very sculpted arms i think that's like his best quality probably. <laughs> not, not his voice or his hit making <laughs> magic touch it's no arm. it's if you look at any photograph of him it's always like he's flexing his arm muscles and okay well good for them. him if you got it flaunt it okay so the <laughs> zombies so. the zombies are making progress so there were there were four in the first shot and they were like 15 
in the next shot of them climbing the wall. And now there's just four again. So I don't know what happened to the others, if they fell or whatever. But they're then mounting the summit and they're back from four. There's back to like 50 of them. And they get up to the to the, to the roof where Billy Idol is. And he's on top of the platform. And they're like, claw- I hate this with all zombie movies. They're like clawing at the furniture and clawing at the so platform. Why are they so unsuccessful? With right. The it seems very like, easy. Just step up and get it. It's not that high of a platform. Just, just commit go for it. <laughs> commit to your to actions. Your, commit to your art. Like you have one job. <laughs> kill Billy Idol. And they can't get their shit. And you're just like to you're one foot away and you're just like waving your arms <laughs> right. and like petting you know <laughs> it was some serious heavy petting going on um, <laughs> and then billy idol saves the day because it's i don't even know how to describe this there's like electrical transformer levers that like you they're huge and you grab one with each arm and you pull them down so he like pulls them down and it triggers like an electrical storm it's like and, the flux capacitor yes the flux capacitor that's what i was searching for yeah um and the zombies start exploding and like they they get thrown off the tower and there's an overhead shot of them like waving their arms and legs falling off the shower and it is a tower and it is the worst cgi if it's even cgi like it's not yeah. it was before that it was like a doll or something um it was the worst and this is what won the best special effects vma like it was absolutely ridiculous so they all fall off the thing and they're now in a pile uh, on the ground completely dead and then they wake up and start climbing again so i know that zombies are undead but can they be undead twice like this seemed like a pretty final they got electrocuted fell from a great height are clearly uh-huh. like no longer sentient and then they just like bounce back up and start climbing up the wall like and even if you are able to have they not learned their lesson like they they got electrocuted by billy idol once they should not try this again without changing the plan really dancing with him by himself if there are like well that's again that's about to get tied up that plot line is about to so um so they they start climbing again and it's literally the same shot of four zombies climbing up the tower for some reason they show the woman tied up again the zombies make it to the top and as soon as they make it to the top Of course, it becomes a dance party. More than that. Mm -hmm. It becomes like a rave. And as you said, to say that it's choreographed at all is generous. They're like people doing random, like one's doing the jitterbug and one's like (laughs) pop and locking and one's like doing ballet. It's like a a festival of dance. It's like Jacob's Pillow up there. And They needed the like... um what was that the bat dance choreographer yes, yes it was actually it was more similar to bat dance than to any other video <laughs> and like what like i want to know the zombies what is their motivation like th- like 30 seconds ago all they wanted to do is kill billy idol and now all they want to do is dance with billy, dance idol. With billy idol and all he wants to do is dance with himself um so uh, i don't know but he's getting what they want in yeah. this situation <laughs> it's a lose-lose <laughs> like just just let billy dance with himself you go over there and dance if you that's what you really want although i don't like i said i don't know what their motivation is it seems very skewed i think they need to have a council of zombies to like decide what lane they're going to be in because they're very confused they're very confused but any other idol's outfit was very interesting like the like he was wearing these like tight black leather pants and this vest that was like like almost like a leather mesh it looked very like versace but in today's context it was like something that like a real housewife would would wear wear. to like a funeral 
Yes. <laughs> it just didn't look tough at all. You know, it was uh, it was just well, it was an it's... androgynous time. Okay, so anyway, anything else on uh, Billy Idol? No, I just think that like this video showcases his like Long Island roots. <laughs> <laughs> Only a Long Islander could make this Come video up with something so chaotic. <laughs> yes. I had a hard time. I looked at a lot of Billy Idol videos and they're all pretty bananas, but this one took the cake. So it uh, yeah. it won the Summer Music Series prize. So there you go. I had a ball doing that. Hope you enjoyed it too. Let's move on to our yups. These are the little rays yes. of life, little beacons of hope that got us through the week. Uh, Rachel, you have an interesting one that I don't know about. Yeah. So my yup goes to this song called Housework by Jax Jones. Um, I went up to the Hudson Valley a few weekends ago for a girls weekend at my friend Ashley's beautiful new home. And we had a fabulous time. And at one point we're out on her patio or dancing to this great, very clubby EDM song that had this zombies. We were like zombies in the, in the Billy Idol video, like, and, and the song kept having this refrain that was like, what you going to do, what you going to do. And we were just laughing and asking each other, (laughs) what you going to do. And like, it was, it just seemed to capture the moment of like powerlessness, like in our situation, like what you going to do. Right. And so, um, (laughs) it was not unlike my quest to determine the identity of, uh, my ceiling fan, you know, what you going to do. Right. So, (laughs) so I wanted to find out what the song was later on when I, when there's a thing thing called Shazam and you can also ask your watch. No, 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 because we didn't know. Like, I heard it at her house. We couldn't find the playlist. I'm texting my friends. What was that song that we were dancing oh, to? Like Nobody knew fact, what it was. No, and so then I'm, like, Googling every song with the lyric, what you gonna do? And there's a lot of songs with that <laughs> lyric. And then I remembered there was another line about house music or something, and I finally found out it was called Housework uh, by this English DJ and record producer, Jax Jones, with vocals by Mike Dunn and the British singer MNEK. It was released as a digital download in 2016 and it peaked at number 85 on the UK singles chart. And it's really like a total jam and it resonates on so many levels. And it may be from five years ago, but it's my song of the summer and I'm sticking to it. So, All right, all right. Um, My yup goes to The Housewife and The Hustler. Uh, oh yes i can't believe you didn't pull that out in a previous week so there's a series on hulu uh, not a ser- well is it no, no it's but just tell a- them like what we like we were watching it at the same time like you, <laughs> yeah. you were like but i didn't even see? know <laughs> like have, like have you seen the housewife and the hustler and you're like i'm watching it now and you were like 20 minutes behind me so i wanted us to stop <laughs> and like sync it up so everybody it's about tom girardi who's this who is like one of the biggest litigators and he you know defended a lot of or he did a lot of class action Aaron Brock. He was the Aaron Brockovich lawyer, and they figured out that he was scamming everybody and their terrible stories of like individuals. And also, he represented the victims of the, the families of the victims of the Lion Air crash. Um, and it turns like out he's he was stealing from victims from of like, plane crashes and explosions, and like just yes, like the worst guy, unimaginable, ever. And he's Un- like, like or, a monster. Yeah. But the most interesting part of this is that he's married to Erica Girardi. 
slash Erica Jane of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, a major celebrity-ish, um, yes. I guess, <laughs> sort of some like tier. Like a second-tier celebrity. Right, who right, who we're has... obsessed with because we're obsessed with The Housewives, but we consciously don't talk about it on this podcast because we know it's a real turnoff for some people. But uh, this is a must-watch. And I'm very torn about what to think about Erica Jane now because my— you Oh, know, I'm not torn. She knew. <laughs> she knew. <laughs> she knew. There's no way. If if you think that she didn't know, that's not giving her enough credit for being as smart as she has shown herself to be on the show, you know? Yeah, yeah fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So, but yep to the documentary, you should definitely watch it. Uh, Housewife and the Hustler. Okay. Housewife and the Hustler. Anything yep. to add? Or could we wrap this up? It's gone, it's gone long, wrap, but I figure I figure that if we're going every other week, it could be long, right? Just we let need it to, breathe. Let it breathe. To, <laughs> people jam. can fast forward. They could put put us on 1.5x speed, yeah, you know? Yeah. We do need whatever. to produce, we need to produce the same amount of content. We're just spreading it out over every yes. other week, so that it's a little more sane. Okay. That said, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and maybe best of all, tell someone in real life. And now you can tweet us both at Rachel. Rachel D at Brian Hecht, uh, and we may or may not respond to you, but we try. We respond to everybody on Twitter, right? We generally, yeah. I mean, unless you like are a troll an or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> understood. I think that's applied. Okay, <laughs> thank you for listening. It's been a terrible week. It's been a fun podcast to record. This has been Nope, the podcast where we shut it down. What you, what you gonna do? Hey. I call it housework. Cause it's light work. What you, what you gonna do? I'ma throw shapes, filling the base till my feet hurt. Hey. I call it housework. Cause it's light work. What you, what you gonna do? But I'ma throw shade if I don't get paid for this housework. Hey.